Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the By the Book podcast with Mr. By the Book, Gaston LaRue. Today, we will be discussing the 2023 Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view of the year, uh, premium live event, whatever you want to call it. And I am just going to review it, kind of give my thoughts and my critiques and what I would look at and things that I found good or bad from a by-the-book perspective, so to speak, based on the true words of the ancient book of wrestling. And But before I want to do that today, I will discuss my weekend of professional wrestling on Royal Rumble weekend, uh, as well as last week in general, because I did have a midweek show during the week. I was originally set to have four shows this week, XVW last Tuesday night, I had HCW, Hybrid Championship Wrestling, in Terre Haute, Indiana on Friday. I was set to have World's Finest Wrestling in Connorsville, Indiana on Saturday. Unfortunately, that show got canceled. So, I got to stay home with my wife and watch the Royal Rumble, which I am not complaining about whatsoever. Uh, it's better than either watching it in a locker room or having to watch it later and risk it getting spoiled. Which I don't like being spoiled on on stuff when it comes to wrestling. I try to stay off social media as much as possible uh, when I watch when there is a pay-per-view and I can't watch it. But unfortunately, I'm a little bit addicted to my phone. Uh, as I think everyone is at this point. Most people. Not everyone. Most people. My wife definitely is not one of those people who is. And then on Sunday, yesterday, I had... New South Wrestling in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Uh, and I so I had three matches. I'll start with last Tuesday at XVW in Dayton, Ohio. I was the semi-main event, and I defended my AIWF World Television Championship successfully against Avery Hertz. And Avery was a tough competitor um, for me. We had a great match. I did everything 100% by the book, of course. I totally did not low blow him at the finish. Um, but we had a very good match. The crowd was hot. Avery and I had really good chemistry in the ring. But I just proved that I was the superior professional wrestler as a whole. I retained my AIWF World Television Championship against Avery Hertz. But Avery Hertz is one of those guys who's really on the, the up and up and in the Ohio, Michigan, Indiana professional wrestling scene. Avery ended up wrestling my former tag partner on Friday's show in Terre Haute, Indiana as well, which was a fantastic match as well. So I was proud of my match with Avery and the performance that we put on. He dumped me on my head with a Canadian destroyer. But in the end, the VDT, which is an homage to my trainer van mardigan uh the vdt was what put avery away in the end for the one two three and we had a very good match uh i would absolutely love to get in the ring with avery again and i think that when it comes down to it uh you know if you put us in the ring a hundred times avery could win 50 and i could win 50 but i also could win 99 i could also win 100 when it comes down to it, uh, and I believe I, of course, with my confidence that I would win a hundred of those matches because I'm simply that good. I feel that I 
I have that ability. So I had one match, uh, and I, I was pretty confident going into Friday as well. I was stepping in the ring with Jeffrey John, uh, who is another t- super talented professional wrestler. Um, so at Friday's HCW Tipping the Scale show will be on IWTV probably within the next two weeks. They have a great turnaround time on their shows that they put out. And so Jeffrey and I went out there. We had a fantastic technical wrestling slash slightly lucha match. We wrestled each other, and it was it was fantastic. I thought we had great chemistry, great energy in there. I did a lucha hurricane rana for the very first time. And if you don't know what that is, um, I grab on to my opponent's shoulder. I spring off the middle rope and I jump and hit a hurricane rana on them. And that was the first time I had done that. But I think it went super well. It turned out super good. I went at I went at Jeffrey's ankle time and time again throughout the match. He uh, he made the mistake of going to the top rope, and I moved out of the way. And I took advantage. I I took every advantage I possibly could in the match. I was undefeated going into this match with Jeffrey John. I still haven't been pinned after this match with Jeffrey John. But Jeffrey, the re- so the referee was down. I. He grabbed me in a DDT, and I shoved him into the referee inadvertently, of course. I would never, ever do that on purpose in a million years. But I shoved him into the referee inadvertently. The referee went down, and I hit my finish. I had Jeffrey for a five count. And then after that, the unfortunate thing happened where I grabbed the book of wrestling. I was just gonna teach him some stuff that's all and he grabbed my book that's that dirty scoundrel the referee was waking up he tossed the book at me i caught the book because i don't want the ancient book of wrestling to hit the ground of course and then the referee turns around sees jeffrey down sees me standing up and disqualifies me absolute shame that referee should be reprimanded over and over and over again but i digress i digress what do i know uh, I just have the ancient book of wrestling. I'm just a great professional wrestler, but whatever. I still haven't been pinned at HCW, and I plan to get back Jeff- get back at Jeffrey John for what he did. And then yesterday, Sunday, uh, New South Wrestling. It was my debut there. They're doing an upstart series where they're bringing in new wrestlers, young wrestlers of all all kinds from all kinds of places. And I wrestled Colby Kane who is out of uh, New uh, Northern Wrestling Federation. Um, they're in the Cincinnati area. Uh, he was super, He's super talented. The crowd uh, didn't draw super well, as well as we had hoped, but there was also the Bengals football game going on, which is kind of a big deal, I guess, whatever. I'm not a football guy. If you see my Twitter, wrestling greater than uh, pro wrestling greater than football any day of the week. But we we stepped in the ring. We went toe to toe. We gave it our all, anyways. It was it was a fight for a victory. And yet again, a referee decides to screw me over. Of course, I grabbed my book. I was just gonna teach Colby something, of course. And the referee grabs the book from my hand, pulls it, and Colby ro- rolls me up for the one, two, three. But there was a lot of uh, really good stuff in this match. He went for a crossroads on me, which I rolled into a, a, a crippler crossface. Um, 
you know, just a lot of really good stuff. He was very talented. He gave me a fight and he came out on top. I made one mistake. I got distracted, but regardless, he won not very by the book. He obviously pulled the tights. If you see the video, he definitely pulled the tights. Um, but yeah, so that was my weekend of professional wrestling. And now let's get into the rest of the weekend of professional wrestling with the WWE Royal Rumble 2023. The 2023 Royal Rumble match, uh, kicked, the men's Royal Rumble match kicked off the show. And I was really excited for this one. Uh, and I think the Rumble was good. I think the Rumble match was good. I just I was a little let down by the surprises. Part of that might be because of the rumors and dirt sheets saying that WWE announced Cody Rhodes ahead of time because they were so confident in their surprise entrance and maybe something happened behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe that was true or maybe it was just the dirt sheets screwing with us again. I think Gunther and Sheamus kicking off the Rumble was genius. I think that was a, that was a very, very smart decision on the part of the WWE, uh, especially with Gunther's performance in the match. But Sheamus, uh, Sheamus had a really nice performance as well. Him and Drew teamed up often throughout the match, which I thought was uh, very fitting because they're obviously a team. And uh, so I'm just going to pick out the things of note, of notoriety, uh, and just talk about those things. Brock Lesnar wasn't in the Rumble very long, but he obviously made an impact throughout Santos Escobar with a really brutal elimination throughout Gable. Uh, I think he, he threw out someone else too. I know he got three eliminations in there. He came toe to toe with Gunther, which is a match that I really want. I really hope that that is the match for WrestleMania for Brock and for Gunther both. Uh, and then Bobby Lashley came out. He eliminated Lesnar, which I was thrilled about. Lesnar threw a tantrum. Lesnar really understands. So one of the things that I really love is Lesnar really gets the story and the moments. He Lesnar is just a fantastic professional wrestler, obviously. I mean, that's that's kind of a given. But he understands the moments and the timing of moments and how to really milk those moments, not just for his own benefit, but to get someone else over, like Bobby Lashley. And Bobby eliminating Brock, even though Brock's performance wasn't nearly as dominant, reminded me a lot of... Drew McIntyre eliminating Brock in the 2020 Royal Rumble match, which I, I definitely watched before this Rumble. And then I also watched the 2018 Royal Rumble match before watching the 2023 Royal Rumble. And I just thought that it was fantastic how Brock took that elimination. And, uh, and then Bobby would go on to get eliminated by Rollins, continuing their story. I'm a big storytelling kind of guy. I love storytelling and professional wrestling. I think that is the the most important key element is telling a story. And I'll really get into even further amazing storytelling that goes on throughout the rest of the night um, with the WWE. And for those of you who don't know, and I, I feel like I've mentioned this on this podcast, I I'm not, I haven't been the biggest fan of WWE for the past couple of years. Uh, I've been a big AW guy, big New Japan kind of guy. Um, if you listen to the first episode that I had, you would know that like I've gone in and out of WWE for quite a few years now. I, you know, it they really have to have something 
super interesting and intriguing for me to stay uh, invested. And I think that they do right now. And I'll talk about that even further later on. But Rollins had a fantastic performance in the Rumble as well. Of course he did. Uh, he came out at number 15 in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, I really enjoyed that he was he took out Corbin so fast after Lesnar had beat up Corbin on the outside following his elimination. That was really good. I loved how Sheamus, Gunther, and Drew went at each other through the whole whole night. If Gunther and Brock isn't the match for WrestleMania, that's your triple threat match. That's your WrestleMania match. Is a triple threat between Sheamus, Drew, and Gunther. I think that I think that's the move right there. Absolutely. Uh, on top of it, uh, we had more entrance, more entrance. Uh, Booker T came out. Booker T. Uh, Looked really great. Of course he did. Uh, I thought that was a fun entrant into the match. I wish he had lasted a little longer, but uh, I believe it was Gunther who threw him out. So that's, you know, even better of a rub for Gunther as as well. Uh, another notable pick that I would like, to, another th notable thing that I would like to say is Rey Mysterio was supposed to be entrant 17, did not enter the match. I really didn't like that they didn't fill a spot. I think because literally that was a 29 man rumble. Then uh, I think they absolutely could have filled Ray's spot there with someone else. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't. Maybe that'll come into play in some way. I, I just don't see it coming into play, but um, maybe that maybe it will. Uh, but I don't think it will come into play other than the fact that I think it's going to lead to Dominic and Ray at WrestleMania, perhaps, even though there's rumors that Ray got injured in the cross match, and that's why he didn't show up in the Rumble match. But I think that you could have easily just thrown someone else in there. You could have still done the attack angle, still had someone else in there. But I digress. Speaking of Dominic Mysterio, I think Dominic Mysterio had a very underrated performance in the Royal Rumble match that people aren't really talking about much. Um, I think because he lasted longer than both Judgment Day members, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe in there with a lot of guys who are extremely talented. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Seth Rollins in there, uh, Sheamus, Gunther, Drew. Uh, I think Dominic had a star-making performance in the Royal Rumble match, and obviously he's been doing great with the Prison Dom stuff, and I think it's awesome. Edge came out. Entered the Royal Rumble, eliminating all three mem members of the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley even came out after Edge. Beth Phoenix speared Rhea Ripley, which made me a little nervous about Rhea winning the Rumble because I was like, are they just going to do Beth and Rhea for WrestleMania? Obviously, after what happens, that does not look like the plan, and I'm glad because I think Rhea was the absolute right choice to win the Women's Rumble later in the night. But I wish Edge had lasted longer. It's clear that the Judgment Day story is still going, but I wish it would have wrapped up with him eliminating all, all the Judgment Day members. Actually, no, he didn't eliminate Dominic. He only eliminated Balor and Priest. But I wish it would have wrapped up with him just kind of throwing them out in the Rumble, and then the story would have wrapped up. Looks like the story's going to probably wrap up at WrestleMania. Uh, but I wish that it was that wasn't the case. I wish that... Edge was going to do something else at WrestleMania. And I wish Judgment Day was going to do something else at WrestleMania. And maybe they will. Maybe they'll resolve it at Elimination Chamber in, Montre in Montreal. Because Edge is from Canada. Big name. So maybe they'll do that. 
I'm hopeful that they'll do that. I didn't really think about that until I just spoke it out into the into the vortex of the universe. So, um, and then another notable entrant was Logan Paul at entrant number 29. And when he came out at 29, I was like, okay, so Cody is 30, which is cool because Cody got his full entrance. I figured Cody would be one or two or 30, but Logan Paul came in at 29. And then that's when I realized, oh, so there's no more surprises. Kind of a letdown. I think that, you know, I, I, I was on fire for edge. I mean, I think Booker was cool. I, I think Logan's fine. I just wish that they had a little more substance to the surprise entrance. Um, especially Edge and Booker. I think they were kind of letdowns, especially Booker. I think Booker was kind of a waste. You could have had someone else, honestly. I, I was waiting for Steve Austin for a big pop in Texas, or Shawn Michaels for a big pop in Texas. Um, and obviously the, the surprises aren't everything in the Rumble. I'm saying a lot of good stuff about the Rumble, but... The one downfall that I had was the surprises because the surprises are a big part of Royal Rumble and one of my favorite parts of the Royal Rumble. Uh, another thing that I didn't really like, and Corey Graves mentioned this later on commentary for the women in the Women's Rumble, is I don't like the, as far as psychology goes in professional wrestling, I don't like when other wrestlers try to eliminate a wrestler who's trying to eliminate another wrestler or they stop an elimination unless it's like, you know, one of their, ta- like a tag partner or something, but I noticed it a lot in the men's and women's matches. And I don't really like the psychology um, behind that because I don't think that that's psychologically sound as a professional wrestler. Um, page 482 of the book of wrestling, just do whatever it takes to win. So uh, I, I didn't really like that. I, that was kind of a critique I had of the Royal Rumble match as well. Uh, which is just a small nitpick. It's just a small nitpick thing and something that I noticed as a professional wrestler that could have been better. And then Cody Rhodes came out at number 30 and I was really happy. Uh, I love Cody Rhodes. I think he's great. I wish I was wishing that they had included Sammy into the rumble match, but I think the fact that they on the pre-show had Roman tell Sammy to stick by his hip the whole night kind of gave a, a good enough reason for Sammy to not be in the Rumble match. And I think if Sammy was in the Rumble match, the crowd would have been clamoring for Sammy to win, like with Daniel Bryan, and then maybe would have turned on Cody. So I'm I'm really happy that they didn't do that. Actually, and I think the route that they ended up going was the smartest decision. Uh, so we get eliminations, ricochet. Uh, we get a Braun and Omos standoff. In there, we get Ricochet and Logan Paul doing a crazy spot, springboarding from each side of the ring and colliding in the air. That was crazy. I've seen that being one of the bigger memorable moments of the match. Uh, Eventually, Ricochet goes out. uh, And Logan, uh, I think the final four was Gunther, Cody. Yeah, the final four, kind of, we thought, was Gunther, Cody, Austin Theory, and Seth Rollins. And then Theory goes out, and then it's Gunther, Rollins, and Cody. Gunther gets knocked out of the way. Cody and Rollins are going at it, and then Logan Paul comes in throws out Rollins. I'm guessing they're leading to Logan and Rollins at WrestleMania, which I like Logan Paul. As a wrestler, he 
has had good match, all good matches so far. I mean, with teaming with Miz last year at WrestleMania with Ray and Dominic, um, his match with Roman Reigns was really good. And his match with the Miz was really good at SummerSlam, which I was there live for. I was popping for Logan. I, I thought that was good, but I want Rollins doing more at WrestleMania. Um, I think I mentioned this on the first episode of the podcast, but Rollins was one of the first heels I loved after Ziggler. And I was really disappointed. I, like, I, I'm really disappointed that they're not putting him in the world title picture, to be completely honest, or at least having him have a really big match at WrestleMania, which I guess depends how you look at it. Logan Paul could be a big match for Rollins at WrestleMania. However, I don't think so personally. I think Rollins deserves a lot more. Rollins should be facing AJ Styles, Miz, Rock, you know, Lesnar, Austin, whoever at WrestleMania. And I think that that would be a lot better for Rollins. I think Rollins has killed it this past year. I think he's been the best wrestler, most consistent wrestler in WWE this past year, outside of maybe Roman Reigns. I don't know. I, I'm kind of disappointed by that. I know that him and Logan will be a good match. I just am kind of disappointed by Rollins' position at the moment, and that's just because I'm super into his work. Um, but I hope that they can make a good story out of it, uh, uh, you know, outside of, Oh, Logan Paul eliminate him from the Rumble, so they're going to fight. Um, then Logan gets eventually eliminated, thank goodness. And it comes down to Gunther and Cody as the final two of the Rumble. And this was maybe one of the best final two ever. I think the best is Michaels and Taker from Rumble 2007, for sure. Um, but uh, Sheamus and Jericho from 2012 is up there as well. I love that final two. And Gunther and Cody went at it. Super hard. Gunther broke the record for the longest amount of time in the Royal Rumble match, breaking Daniel Bryan's record and Rey Mysterio's record, um, I believe. I Unless Daniel had an hour and 16, but I think I saw a report where they're not acknowledging that anymore. But Gunther absolutely freaking killed it. He was absolutely amazing in that match. You know, even at the end, Cody drew 30. Gunther drew number one, and Gunther still looked like a beast. He still absolutely annihilated Cody and made it believable that he was going to win. I I was cheering on Gunther, honestly, like part of the way through. I kept thinking Gunther was going to win. I was happy with either one winning. Cody in the end won after a crossroads and clothesline and Gunther over the top rope. Man, what a finish. Uh, both, both Rumble matches had fantastic finishes, and I was so happy. So, so happy with this match. Um, I think it was good. It wasn't one of the all-time great Royal Rumbles, but I think it was very good. And anyone who says that it was awful or that it was dog crap or whatever, like, get out of here. Like, we lived through the 2014-2015 Royal Rumble era. Get out of here. That was awesome. And I think it was a great start to the night. Then we go into Bray Wyatt and L.A. Knight in the pitch black match. And I, so I want to be as positive as it can be. Um, I think the visuals were cool. I think glow in the dark vampire prey was awesome. I think LA Knight having the glow in the dark gear was a really cool touch. I liked a lot of it, but I, I didn't really like the match too much. It went, it was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It just was kind of lackluster and strange. 
And after match stuff was confusing. Bray's new mask, Uncle Howdy jumping off and on, jumping off of the stage and on to LA Knight, even though last time we saw Howdy interact with Bray, he hit the sister Abigail on Bray. And then we have the Firefly Funhouse characters like watching over Bray. Is this the Wyatt Six? Is this, what is this? I, I love Bray. Bray is one of my favorite characters and has been for years in professional wrestling. I love Bray. I love the work he does. Um, I just don't know what story he's trying to tell right now. And that's fine. And I understand. I understand. But I think that we've been doing this for three, four months since Bray came back. And I don't get it. I think that it should have progressed a lot further by now. I, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Plus, you have the Alexa involved, Uncle Howdy's involvement with Alexa. I don't get any of this. None of this makes any sense to me. Uh, I'm just ready for Uncle Howdy to hopefully be revealed as Bo Dallas, and they have a match at WrestleMania, and we move on. Because I love Bray, but. I don't get the story. And people are like, oh, but long-term storytelling, you got to let this play out. No, long-term storytelling is what the bloodline is doing. This is just dragging stuff out and kind of teasing stuff, but it's like a lot of the same stuff every week. I don't watch the weekly product, okay? But I keep up with the weekly product. I I keep up. Trust me. I, I think wasting my time two hours every week to watch everything would be a waste, but I keep up with Bray Wyatt. I keep up with the bloodline. I keep up with the stuff that I care about. And this does this. I don't get it. I think this is dog crap. Honestly, I, I, I thought that this was a huge dip in the show, especially the next match was a very big dip in the show as well. And speaking of the next match, it was Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. They have zero chemistry. Just putting that out there. Bianca and Alexa have zero chemistry. I like both of them, especially Bianca. Bianca is my wife's favorite wrestler. Bianca is the only reason my wife has even entertained the idea of training to do professional wrestling. Um, man, this match was not good. Alexa lost. Completely clean, no spooky bollocks or anything like that. And then at the at the end, we just get Uncle Howdy again, asking if she feels in control and all this stuff. And it's weird. Like, I don't know if he's purposely tormenting her and they'll tie it back around to her turning on the Fiend at WrestleMania 37 or, or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like I said before about the LA Knight and Bray, Bray match, none of this makes sense to me. I don't get it. I don't understand. Is Uncle Howdy in control? Is Bray in control? Is Bray Uncle Howdy? Is Bray not Uncle Howdy? I I don't get it. I, I don't think he's Uncle Howdy, but he says he's Uncle Howdy. I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Move on with it. Like, get some real storyline progression going. Let's get to WrestleMania and get done with it. I kind of want to just see normal guy Bray Wyatt. I kind of just want to see normal guy Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas 
together as a tag team or something who are IRS's kids and they're the Rotundas. Like, that's kind of what I want. That's kind of what I want at this point because I'm kind of over all this stuff. I mean, I was hoping when Bray came back, he would tie it back around to The Fiend and the Funhouse stuff, and he kind of is, but he's like not, and he introduced this new Uncle Howdy character, and I just, I don't get it. I don't get it, and I want to. Um, anyways, so I'll stop being negative, but that was the huge dip in, dip in the show. Um, yeah, that was just, that was rough. Uh, so we go to the women's Rumble match, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I've seen a lot of people say that they maybe thought that it was better than the men's. Um, I thought it kind of drug a little bit. Uh, I think it drug a lot more than the men's, uh, which... I don't know. I, I liked the men's a lot, especially the uh, uh, up like through the like first fifteen entrance. I really enjoyed it, um, and, I, and I enjoyed the whole men's match as a, as a whole. So Liv and Rhea, but story wise, as as far as like a through line for the whole sh- whole r- women's rumble match, I might have liked it more. I might have liked it more. So Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan are the first and second entrance into the Royal Rumble match. And I was like, uh, I hope Rhea's winning because they had the Beth the Phoenix stuff earlier, which kind of made me question. But my picks going into this were, Co- were Cody and Rhea. So I was like, come on, Rhea, let's go. Let's go, Rhea. And Rhea had such a fantastic performance, but I can't under I can't understate how good Liv was as well. Liv was also fantastic in the women's horrible match. Uh, I believe Dana Brooke was third. I forget who was fourth. Um, just a couple of notable things. Uh, Chelsea Green showed up in the Rumble, lasted about six seconds. Uh, let's see, Kana showed up. Well, Asuka with the face paint. But she showed up looking like an absolute beast. She was an absolute animal in the match. I thought she was freaking awesome. I thought Roxanne Perez showing up from NXT was freaking awesome. She looked like she just fit right in with all the women. Uh, I also enjoyed damage control uh, kind of dominating the match for a while. You know, I, I think it made them look like a very strong unit. I feel like it's been a little weak. Also, like I said earlier, I don't really keep up with the week with the week product, but what I've seen of damage control they debuted at SummerSlam. I was there live. I loved it. What I've seen at Damage Control, uh, they you know they've been booked kind of strange, but they looked like a, a formidable unit, and I thought that was great. They uh, all three of them, along with Becky, eventually got eliminated all around the same time, which I thought was awesome. Uh, Oscar's performance was also really fantastic in the match as a whole. I saw a lot of people complaining about. Uh, Nia Jax being the 30th entrant in the Royal Rumble match, but I wasn't complaining actually. I didn't expect her to win, but I like I didn't think she was going to win, you know, when she came out. So I wasn't like offended by it. I don't think Nia is very good at all. That's that's very by the book. Uh, I don't think she's very good. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. But I don't. I didn't mind her as the 30th entrant at all. I, I thought it was good. It was a good way of, uh, ex, uh, what's the word? Gosh, dang it. Of subverting expectations. 
because I think a lot of people thought maybe it was Rhonda or Trish or, or whoever, which is all stuff that we've seen before. So I didn't mind Nia coming in as a as a threat to the match, as a threat to Rhea Ripley even, because I think a lot of people wanted Rhea or Liv to win. So I thought her coming in, I thought Nia coming in was a good way of having a lot of people think that something bigger was going to happen. Oh, and another big thing that happened, Piper Niven's back. Get out of here, Dewdrop. Thank goodness Dewdrop is not a thing anymore. Um, and Piper had a great performance as well. She killed it. Uh, the more I think about this, the more I'm falling in love with this women's Rumble match. And I thought it was great. I just think it had kind of a, a lull for a while until Asuka came out. Uh, and then maybe Chelsea Green was before Asuka. I don't remember. But it kind of had a lull before Asuka came out. Then Asuka came out and the crowd erupted. And I thought that was fantastic. Uh, you know, and then we get down to the final three, which is, I know I'm kind of going through this one a little faster, but you know, I try to keep my, uh, podcast times low. And also I just don't have as much to say about it. Cause I just think the story throughout with Liv and Rhea just surviving was so good. I, I mentioned the damage control story. I thought that was good. Them and Becky and Naya eventually gets eliminated by the whole, whole crowd of crowd of people who were in the ring. There were a lot of people in the ring when Nia came out at 30. Maybe it was just specifically for that entrance. Uh, but then they started dumping people real fast, real fast after they got rid of Nia. And the final three, Rhea Ripley, Asuka, and Liv Morgan was fantastic. Such a good final three. I thought it was such a good ending. It was, it might have been just as good as as Gunther and Cody at the beginning of the night, I think Gunther and Cody had a little bit of an edge. Um, but man, I, I was really satisfied with how this rumble went. Oh yeah. Michelle McCool showed up in the rumble match as well. And that was really fun. Cause she was in the front row. They showed her earlier in the night and she showed up and I think she's like the only like older wrestler, like older women's wrestler that they, from a different era that showed up in the match, which I thought was good. I thought that was really good. Uh, I think this was the best women's rumble match they've had because they didn't rely on legends and NXT people. They relied on their talent, who they had. And I thought that was fantastic, but Michelle McCool is also just fantastic. So you can't not have her in a women's rumble. So the final three, Oscar, Rhea, Liv. I love that all of them went over the ropes and all three of them were fighting on the apron. I thought that was great. Rhea did kind of like a 619 to Asuka's back uh, to eliminate her, which I thought uh, I thought like looked kind of weird, but I, I understood what they were going for and I wasn't complaining too much. But I thought that was awesome. And before that, uh, Rhea ducked down and Asuka missed Liv. So then I thought that was awesome. Liv and Rhea fought on the apron. Rhea hung on for dear life, hands clasping the top rope, and she... She uh, hoisted herself up, grabbed Liv in a head scissors, flipped her off the apron, and won the Royal Rumble match. Fantastic. I hope it's Rhea and Bianca at WrestleMania, but maybe they'll do Rhea and Charlotte, and Rhea gets her win back on Charlotte. I wouldn't be complaining about that either, but I think I think Rhea and Bianca is the match to go with, and I think they could main event night one of WrestleMania if we're going to have one Roman match, which I have theories about that I'll talk about later. So then we get to Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns at the end of the night. Sami Zayn is at Roman's hip. 
Paul Heyman, of course, at his hip, the special counsel, the tribal council, and Kevin and Roman have incredible chemistry, fantastic match. At one point, Roman wants Sammy to throw a chair in and help him, and Sammy kind of refuses, and then and then that makes Kevin hit a stunner on Roman for a really close two count. I thought it was fantastic. The ending with Kevin kind of getting distracted and and Roman grabbing him and uh, you know hitting him on this off the steps twice, leading to a spear in the ring and and the one two three was fantastic. Sammy yelling at Kevin to just give it up on the outside uh, in the middle of the match was fantastic as well. Um, and then the real story came into play. The best story in professional wrestling right now where the bloodline is about to finally coronate Sammy Uso as an, as an honorary, as an honorary Uso, giving him a lay. They were going to give him a lay and then Roman stops it. And I was like, I was expect. I thought Roman was just going to Superman punch Sammy right there or something. Then he stops him, and he has the Usos beat down Kevin, and then he has the Usos handcuff Kevin, and they super kick him, which was like kind of brutal to watch. Like those super kicks were connecting. That was good. That was good. Good stuff. And the they really milked the crowd so well. Like that last segment was like ten minutes of them just acting and, and having great emotion and telling a beautiful story with their faces and their actions and their words, some, but they didn't necessarily need the words. Sammy gets in between, Roman goes to hit Kevin with a chair. Sammy gets in between, stops him, pleads for him to stop, says he's better than that. Roman hands the chair off to Sammy and it was like a, it felt like a solid five minutes. It might, it, it might not have been that long, but it felt like a solid five minutes of Roman just yelling at Sammy to hit Kevin with a chair, and it was fantastic. I was invested the whole time, the whole time. I, I felt something. I, I felt something. I haven't watched wrestling on a week to week basis, and I still felt something for this Sammy Zayn bloodline storyline because I, I've kept up with it. But man. Sammy hitting Roman in the back with the chair and turning on the bloodline in very similar fashion. Now Seth did it to the shield. Only this one was justification where the Rollins one was just a complete heel turn. So good. And the expression on, on Roman's face after taking the chair shot was like he was having PTSD and it was awesome. Such a good, such good storytelling, man. And then the way the Usos look at Sammy, especially Jay, so heartbreaking. And and Jimmy super kicking Sammy. He was the one who accepted Sammy initially. I think that's a lot of things, something that I'm seeing on social media that people aren't talking about a lot. Jimmy is the one who accepted Sammy initially over any over anyone. And Man, that was heartbreaking. And then Solo getting in on it and spiking Sammy was so good because he also, Roman was also going to have Solo spike Sammy during the tribal court before Jay spoke up. 
and they're all beating him down. Jay backs off into a corner on his own, and he gets yelled at because he's having flashbacks, and he was the one who stood up to Roman in the first place when Roman started all the tribal chief stuff, and and Jay showing genuine emotion on his face. I think it was genuine emotion because I, I we've seen the Usos and Sammy are really good friends backstage and have been for a while. I think that this story is legitimately emotional for some of them because this is something that's been so beautiful coming to an end for them. But Jay Lee, you know, starts cry is like teary eyed and wants to cry and he leaves the ring and he walks off from the bloodline. Which is just so beautiful, man. I, I thought that was so good. And then Roman beats up Sammy with a chair, break you know, pulls apart all the blossoms from the lay, drops them on Sammy. And then our last image is just Sammy and Kevin just lying there. And, man, it's so good. Such good storytelling, man. Such good storytelling. I'm so happy that I got to witness it. I'm so happy that I get to live during this time. So by the book. I mean, man, this story is going to go down in the annals of the book of wrestling, the ancient book of wrestling. It's going to go down in history as one of the greatest storylines of all time. And the bloodline is going to go down as one of the greatest factions of all time. Right there with the Horsemen. Right there with the Shield. Right there with Evolution. Right there with DX, NWO. All those all those incredible names. The bloodline is going to be up there. Top three, top four, top five. Easily. This is such a, an amazing story. The... And then I watched uh, the press conference afterwards. I watched the Cody and Triple H segments, and that that was beautiful as well. Um, my only concern is that I've seen a lot of people say that they're more interested in Sammy and Roman at WrestleMania than they than they are Cody and Roman. And I don't entirely disagree because I think the Sammy and Roman story is better. I think they're going to do it in, at Elimination Chamber in Montreal. But it's going to be disappointing when Sammy loses. And I don't know if a satisfying end of the story is where I think they're going to go or where it seems they're going to go and do Usos against Sammy and Kevin for the tag team titles at WrestleMania with Sammy and Kevin winning. I just don't know if, the, if with this story, if the tag team titles are the satisfying end. I think... The satisfying end is Jimmy turning on the bloodline as well and rejoining his brother. I think at some point there should be a six-man tag where it's Jay, Kevin, and Sammy against Roman Solo and Jimmy. And Jay's like fighting for Jimmy to come back. It's the reverse of Jimmy trying to wake up Jay at the beginning of all the bloodline stuff before they both just decided to join Roman and it was better to fall in line. I think that would be fantastic. And uh, I think Solo and I think you could do Solo and Jimmy against Sammy and Kevin at some point. But I just don't. I think Sammy and Roman is the WrestleMania match. As, as rough as that sounds, I think you could do something. This is my personal fantasy booking, okay? My fantasy booking is Roman does something to get himself reprimanded. He does. He attacks Adam Pierce. He attacks Triple H, even, and he gets stripped of one championship. Then you have 
whoever is in the elimination chamber have an elimination chamber where the winner uh, faces Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania for the vacant WWE Championship. You have night one main event right there. Night two, you have Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn for the Universal Championship. That's my personal match right there. Uh, after, and I think in the road to WrestleMania, Jay would eventually convince Jimmy to split as well. Maybe they lose the tag titles because they're not on the same page. Maybe they maybe they drop the tag top one of the tag titles on the road to WrestleMania because they're not on the same page. Um, you know, I think there's just so many ways that this this can go where Sammy still gets his moment at the end. Uh, you could also do Cody pulling a Cena from 2008 and wanting his match early, wanting his match with Roman at the Elimination Chamber instead, and then you have a chamber match where the winner faces Roman at WrestleMania. You could do that as well. Um, but also, I want Cody to have his moment. So I think we're kind of in a dilemma. I think WWE is kind of in a dilemma I think in the end, they're going to go with Sammy and Kevin winning the tag belts at WrestleMania. But I think the ultimate end has to be Sammy and Roman. Even if you do it at Elimination Chamber in February and Sammy loses, I think the eventual end is Sammy and Roman. Even if it's at SummerSlam, even if it's at Backlash, even, you know, whatever... I think that's the eventual end. I think you eventually have Jay and Roman again as well. Um, I just, there's a lot of ways that this can go, but I don't want it to go the predictable way. Um, with Sammy losing at Chamber and then him and Kevin beating the Usos at WrestleMania, because I just want such a satisfying and gratifying ending for a story that has been so beautifully crafted and so much time has been put into it. And it's sad hearing that WWE doesn't think that Sami Zayn is face of the company material. Because I think Sami Zayn is absolutely face of the company material. I think freaking Steve Austin thinks that Sami Zayn is face of the company material. Those who had a podcast, uh, Broken Skull Sessions, not long, ago, not long after WrestleMania last year, before Sami got into the bloodline, and when Sami Zayn did the match with uh, Johnny Knoxville, Sami can do it all. And Steve Austin says this on that pot on that podcast. Sami can do it all comedy. He can wrestle his butt off. He has charisma. He has a great character. They've dropped the ball on so many guys like that. Uh, I was talking with, with one of the guys in the locker room yesterday about this. William Regal was one of those guys who had everything and they just dropped the ball and never gave him the world title because he didn't look like the face of the company. And I think that's Vince talking. Uh, since Vince is back in Titan Towers, I think that's Vince talking. I think Triple H would absolutely put the championship on Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn got NXT to where it was. I think it's kind of not as big as it was, but... That's Sami Zayn's the person who got NXT to be so huge and become a bit of a household name amongst wrestling fans. Um, I think Sami is the way to go. I think there's other ways of doing it. I know that. Um, sorry, I was uh, clicking the battery percentage notification off my phone. Uh, for those who are watching on video, I think. Because I know that the rumor for a while was that they were going to try splitting 
the championships, the world championships before WrestleMania. So I think they should do that. I think they should have like Seth and Cody again for the WWE title at WrestleMania or Cody and whoever for the WWE title at WrestleMania after Ro- Roman gets reprimanded for whatever reason. And then you have Roman and Sammy for the universal title at WrestleMania and Sammy wins. That's just my thinking. Um, my initial thinking was do Rock and Roman night one. Roman keeps the universal title so he can reach a thousand days and then he drops it to Cody for the WWE title. But, you know, I don't think you need to do that now. I don't think he needs to reach a thousand, a thousand days. It's going to be impressive enough. You know, I, I, I think his reign, title reign is going to be impressive enough. And I think Sammy lose, him losing to Sammy at WrestleMania is, is the move. Um, whether for the Universal or for both titles. But I also want Cody to get his moment for Dusty. Uh, but Cody specifically said, always specifically says he wants the WWE title. I think that's the story. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what way they're going to go with it, but I think they should go the Sami Zayn route or they should figure out something to where Sammy and Cody can both get their moments. And then hopefully there's a, you know, a more defined brand split after the after WrestleMania and we have a draft and we can do Raw and SmackDown brands again, have one world champion for each brand. Cause I know the networks want it. I think, I think Sammy and Cody as your champions after WrestleMania is the smart way to go. So anyways, I'm going to get ready to close out the podcast. Thank you guys for joining and listening to me review the Royal Rumble and give just my thoughts, my, you know, by the book analysis. Overall, I would give the Royal Rumble a 7 out of 10. I think, I think what brings down that, now I would give it, yeah, yeah, 7. I, I was thinking 6.5, but I'll give it a 7. I think what brings it down is the Bianca and Alexa and Bray, Bray and LA Knight stuff as a whole just because i just don't get the story i don't i mean i just don't know where they're going uh if they have a destination they're not showing it very well and i think they're being very 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 confusing about it so um thank you guys for listening i hope you enjoyed my analysis if you didn't agree with me that's fine we all have our opinions uh but i hope you all have a good day and continue doing things 100 percent by by the book